Welcome to the Colander Medical Radio Show with Dr. Brian Colander, MD. Dr. Colander is a board-certified internal medicine physician who specializes in the assessment and treatment of artery disease. His medical practice is dedicated to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. This show is brought to you by Colander Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we're going to be talking to Dr. Colander about his unique, personalized concierge practice and his plan for revolutionizing healthcare. His vision focuses on preventing the events that lead to all the catastrophic diseases of our time. Dr. Colander will explain to us about how and why we develop chronic systemic disease and the course we ought to take to prevent it. To find out more about how to avoid diabetes, Alzheimer's, heart attack, and stroke, stay tuned and we'll be right back after this short break. Welcome to another edition of the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Colander is here with us explaining his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He'll also talk to us about the simple tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we encourage you to only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. Dr. Colander, welcome back to another one of your very informative shows. And I know we're still in the middle of COVID. We get a lot of calls on your live show Thursday at 7 o'clock. And that's when, you know, patients and listeners should call in if they have questions. But we're going to set that aside and go back to prevention a little bit. This morning I was watching the news on Channel 2 and there was some discussion about a show that showed a Peloton bike and the guy that's riding the bike is having a heart attack and everybody was getting all upset about this and then they pulled in a doctor and the doctor was interviewed and anyway, the end of the discussion and the end of the the clip was that very important to get your stress test. What do you have to say to that news clip this morning on stress tests? Well, you know, Anne-Marie, it's unfortunate that the news continues to misinform the public about health care. So, well, where are they getting the information from? I mean, they don't make the information. They have to depend on getting it from hospitals and getting it from doctors. Well, who's this newscaster we're talking about? Oh, that's Channel 2, Dina Santafanti, right. that interviews for so, the health, uh, the health uh, clip that they do. Uh-huh. So she decides to uh, air a piece with the tagline of everyone should get a stress test. Now, the doctor being interviewed didn't say that, right? We watched the clip. So she, a non-physician, is giving medical advice to the public. Just like, you know, we're getting a lot of bad information about COVID, we're continuing to get bad information about heart prevention. And longtime listeners know that a stress test does not identify your risk of having a heart attack and stroke. It's a waste of time. And doctors that perform uh, stress tests on an asymptomatic person, it's basically medical fraud. I mean, however you want to call it, it's not negligence, but it's inappropriate. And to bill insurance for an inappropriate test is insurance fraud. Well, you know, you hit on something there because as you often talk about checking the boxes and and doctors that are treating patients, they have little boxes they check which guarantees that they're going to pay that they're going to get paid. 
they're not getting paid to talk about a test that uh, is available and out there that's not covered by insurance. So where's the motivation if everything's based on money? Well, it's all they have. You know, it's all they know. I mean, so they don't know. Doctors aren't trained in prevention. The cardiologist that was interviewed on this piece, he's a good cardiologist, but he's not trained in prevention. No cardiologist does, or very few are. Um, if you are taking insurance for your income, then you're following a broken healthcare system that is only designed to identify people that need surgery or need medicine. This is why we're missing half of the people that have a heart attack. This is why the number of people that die from a heart attack every year stays in the 600,000 to 650,000 and doesn't change because we're not changing our system to identify those truly at risk. Well, let me roll back the story a little bit because this all started with uh, some spot about some guy who was on a TV show showing him having a heart attack from being on a Peloton. And they even mentioned in the news clip that as soon as COVID hit, everybody, the sales of Peloton went through the roof. The cost of Peloton bikes went through the roof. You yourself have a Peloton bike, but you're a, you're a doctor, so it's different. You know how to use it. But again, I come back to the, you know, the statement that gets made on the radio all the time, eat healthy and exercise. 99% of the people out there don't know what to do, what exercise they should do. And so they're going to be an easy sale, an easy hit for a Peloton bike. Oh, it's great. You know, jump on the bike and watch the TV screen and then that's it. And, and you know, they're not really getting the, the right advice from their primary care physician about what kind of exercise they should do or even let me ask you a question. Is there a risk of having a heart attack when you're on a Peloton bike? It's absolutely not true that being on a Peloton and exercising is a risk for a heart attack. In fact, as you already said, Anne-Marie, exercise is a lifestyle tool that helps prevent heart attack and stroke and dementia. So it's really irresponsible to make that kind of suggestion. Um, and it's also misinforming the public about who really needs to get a stress test and who doesn't. Now, of course, we all need to go to the doctor, right? They said get a see a doctor before you get on an exercise program. The doctor who was on this clip was, what, a cardiologist? Yeah. Okay, so basically what he was basically saying was he was endorsing the fact that you ought to have something like a stress test, yes? He wasn't endorsing anything. All he did was explain the basic concepts of a stress test, that it's a supply-demand situation, and the pictures identify the difference in your heart function with normal supply versus a restricted supply, like as in a critical stenosis. But I think most, most listeners and most patients that are out there have been oversold on the idea of stress test being the be-all and end-all um, um, examining or diagnosing factor and whether or not you have cardiac disease, and that in and of itself is a fallacy. No question about it. We've been saying it for three years now. All right. Well, then let's come back and talk more about prevention and where we ought to go back to the beginning and stop it from being an issue in the first place. In the meantime, we're going to have to take a quick break. You are listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show. And if you're interested in finding out more about today's topic or why you ought to be engaging with a concierge practice, please only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. And you are listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR.
Welcome back to the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Colander is here with us explaining his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He's also going to talk about the simple tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we encourage you to only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Dr. Colander, coming back, and before we proceed on with what we're talking about right now, the the uh, the patient's infatuation with thinking that a stress test is the be-all and end-all and the, the final decision on whether they're on the road to having a heart attack, I do want to tell patients and listeners to call in Thursday at 7 p.m. Dr. Collender's on every week following Mitch album at 7 o'clock. The show's live, and you can call and ask your question directly of the expert. Dr. Collender, let's straighten this out, this information about, you know, the infatuation with the message of the stress test is the be-all and end-all. If your doctor sends you to a cardiologist or suggests that you're getting a, a stress test and you pass it, you think you're home free. This is not true. Am I right? Of course not. And, you know, a better approach to take with this would have been how do we prevent a heart attack, not just, you know, let's go get a stress test because, again, getting a stress test does not mean you're free and clear. We all know of somebody, you know, directly or indirectly who went to their doctor, saw the cardiologist, had a workup, completed a stress test successfully, was told they're fine, and then a day later, a week later, a month later, they dropped out of a heart attack. So we all know... Shame on the cardiologist, sorry, but shame on the... People think that if they go to a specialist and if they refer to somebody that's the higher level up, that's a specialist in, in heart attack and cardiac issues, I mean, they need to be more responsible. They need to be telling people to prevent it rather than wait and get a stress test and to sell the fallacy that the stress test and or the EKG is going to be an answer of whether you're going to pass or not. You know, the problem is really baked into the whole system that you need to have a procedure to screen to, to prevent an illness. So among our surgical society, the way to stop somebody from having a heart attack is to identify a critical stenosis and open it up or bypass it, whether it's to your brain, to your leg, or to your heart. And that's the challenge. Um, finding someone whose plaque needs to be opened up. The problem, as we've talked about on the show a lot, is that half of the people that have a heart attack do not have a plaque that is greater than 50%, which means that plaque is not at risk, well, is not amenable to stent. It's not critical. The system doesn't recognize that plaque rupture kills people, not, not stenosis. When you say the system, what do you mean? The medical system? Our whole healthcare system, the American Cancer Society, American Heart Association, the Medicare, Medicaid, they're all doing, you know, allow you to bill for testing that is to identify plaque that's critical, that needs a surgical intervention. Prevention begins at age 20, at age 30, with identifying plaque, finding all of the different drivers of disease, and addressing it way before anybody has even to think about a critical disease or symptoms. I'm not sure we even need to have a specialty of cardiology because obviously it's not working. 
Well, you just said a lot right there. No, but I mean, I'm thinking just as, as a consumer, as a patient, it's like we have ultimate faith in especially doctors that have gone on to specialize in something. So this doctor that's on TV, you know, I mean, he's looked at as being the top of the top and we're going to believe whatever he says, but he said nothing about you guys need to start when you're 20 and start looking and seeing what kind of plaque you've got in your arteries. So well, that would have been better information than well, talking it, about the stress Well, again, test. in his defense, who what knows? What do you mean in his defense? Why do we well, have to defend him? Well, it was a clip that was put on the TV. He may have talked, he may have been interviewed for an hour, and that's a clip that they put on the TV. doesn't matter. He was the one that said it, so well, you don't give Well, he doesn't have editorial control over it anyway. Let's go into what's helpful information. Okay. Uh, I can't wait. You're defending doctors, but let's go on. No, no, Never well, mind. no, I, I'm You're agree. defending cardiologists, but it's okay. No, we need help with irregular heartbeats. You know, right. we need help with arrhythmias. Um, you know, so the electrical part is still uh, requires an expert. And prevention, again, needs a prevention expert. Um, and right now, that's not part of the field of cardiology. Part of the field of cardiology is to follow the you know, the rote, simple formula and pat you on the back and see you later. Mm -hmm. And if you had an event before they get back to you and, and well, then it was God's will. It just happened. And it's so common that nobody questions what else could have been done. And that's also true, Anne-Marie, that most of the people that do have a heart attack that had a plaque rupture from a non-obstructing lesion in their artery wall, they're doing what their doctor said. They're on a blood pressure pill. They're on a cholesterol pill. They're managing their diabetes. They're doing all the things, and they still have an event or need a surgery. The system doesn't work in every possible way, and it's time to start educating people about the opportunities in prevention. And prevention doesn't mean getting a random stress test. And the reason is the data there's research that shows medical management is as good as an intervention. Okay, what do you mean by medical management? What exactly is medical management? I don't think anyone listening knows what that is. Well, there's a couple studies that, you know, one was published 10 or 15 years ago, and one was published about two years ago that showed people who just received medical therapy, which is appropriate and aggressive cholesterol management, appropriate blood pressure control, tobacco cessation counseling, exercise counseling, nutrition counseling, um, stress management. People who, who received more optimal type therapy did just as well with moderate heart disease as people who went to have a stent you know, or a bypass. In other words, what you're saying is that it can be managed, it can be controlled if you have a doctor who's shepherding you inch by inch through the process of staying on top of the disease as it progresses and controlling it as it progresses. Exactly. And the people in these studies were not like, you know, they were not stable, asymptomatic people. They were people with what I would call significant plaque and having symptoms. And so if any of these people in the control group, meaning the people that were not randomized to the interventional arm of the study, were seen by a cardiologist, they would have all been stented or referred for bypass. But they were in the study, so they, they did medical management. And it turned out in these two different studies that 
it doesn't matter. And if it doesn't matter, why submit yourself to a surgical procedure that has serious risk? You know, the sad thing is that primary care has become an assembly line. That's where it all starts. Primary care is failing drastically in this country. It's become an assembly line. You give five minutes every time you go in. And to get an appointment, you have to have something wrong with you. You know, I have a fever. I have a cold. I hurt my knee, my leg, my whatever have you. So you have to have a reason to get in if you're lucky enough to bypass the telemedicine pitch that they're all putting out there. So primary care is what's failing in this country. And also, you're right, and um, even if we follow the recommendation on that piece, you'd go to your doctor, you get your tests. The tests that they do do not identify people at risk. And frankly, someone who is not symptomatic doesn't need to have a stress test. You know, so if you're feeling good and you can exercise and not have a problem. But there are well, people who feel good right up until they drop dead. So that doesn't work. That, agree. Let's talk about agree. the Widowmaker. Everybody I know or you hear about that had the Widowmaker and we're still waiting to hear about Bob Saget and how, what he died from. Well, most of the people, their first presentation of coronary artery disease is death. Right. So you can't wait to have symptoms. You've got to screen for early disease. And that does not mean getting a stress test. It means identifying plaque and starting an aggressive risk management uh, program. Pathetic situation that the patient has to get control of. We're gonna have to take a quick break. You are listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show and if you are interested in finding out more about today's topic or why you ought to be engaging with a concierge practice, please only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Colander is here with us explaining his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He's also going to tell us about the simple tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we're encouraging you to only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER or tune in to the show Thursday night, 7 o'clock weekly. Dr. Colander is live and you can talk to him directly. Dr. Colander, let's come back to this mess. And I'm thinking over the break that we ought not to think it's a great thing to go and see a cardiologist. I mean, what's what's the point if they're all going to be selling the same pitch? Well, let me clarify. If you're having symptoms of angina, chest pain, especially with exertion, shortness of breath, nausea, dizziness, irregular heartbeats, then you absolutely should see a cardiologist or your primary care doctor. They're equally qualified to uh, work this up. But what is the workup? What is the next step? What is the workup? Well, we're talking about somebody who's symptomatic. So if you're symptomatic, then a stress test is appropriate because you're having exertional symptoms. You're having symptoms that occur when you are requiring your heart to work harder. And that's when a stress test is appropriate. If you are having no symptoms at all, then a stress test is not a great way to identify your risk because it, it just it doesn't help. Um, you're not having symptoms. You may have subclinical plaque. That's if you, and you probably do have subclinical plaque. You get a false sense of security, and you take no action 
to identify the plaque that you have even with a normal stress test. So in this type of scenario where a patient gets referred to a cardiologist, goes in, gets an EKG, and gets a stress test, and they're going to walk out on the street and think they're home free and they are okay and they are not going to have a heart attack and they are not going to die because they feel as though they got two Mickey Mouse tests that are giving them. And I believe me, I believe that people do really believe that this stress test is the be all and end all. Because the doctor makes it seem that way. So when you go to see your primary care doctor and, and they order stress tests and you're fine, the message is you are fine. You've got a decent cholesterol, your blood pressure is good, whatever. Assuming all that's good, you pass your stress test, you're good to go. Take whatever. Same thing with the cardiologist. You pass your stress test, the messaging is you are good to go. And unfortunately, that stress test does not identify the disease that we need to find, which is the plaque. Okay, let's talk to the patients and the listeners about what they ought to do because no one wants plaque. If they've got it, they need to find out that they have it. But what is your primary care physician is not going to suggest the test that you're doing? What is the listener and the patient supposed to do in order to avoid this catastrophic situation? Well, most of the listeners, Anne-Marie, do have plaque. It's I find it less common for people not to have plaque. Doesn't mean you're going to progress to needing bypass. In fact, if it's handled appropriately, you should be able to shrink the amount of plaque that you have, reduce the inflammation. Uh, but as you said, it requires identifying the disease first. The easiest way to do that is to get a CT calcium score, which is a test that can be done at any hospital. And it's inexpensive. It costs uh, like $100. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so any doctor can order a CT calcium test. You might have to ask your doctor to do it, though. Uh, wait, I'm going to underline that. You're going to probably have to ask the doctor because I've not heard of a doctor that says, why don't you go and get this done? Unless they're you. But I mean, the rest of them, the rest of the primary care physicians aren't saying, oh, why don't you go and get a CT cardiac calcium scoring test? It's not a sales pitch for that. It doesn't exist. No. Well, it's not the first test that I do, Amory, but it's to the listeners who don't have me, this is the simplest thing to do. And the idea of a CT of calcium score is, do you have plaque? And the problem is the doctors who are, you know, that you're all seeing look at it as another probability of stenosis. And so it's measured, the results come as a probability plus an overall plaque burden, um, which is your calcium score. To me, if you have plaque, meaning a calcium score over 10, we should take action to identify all of your other drivers of disease and address them so that you don't make any more plaque. Another doctor who's not trained in prevention would look at a score of, say, 150 and go, well, your risk of having a heart attack is still very low because 150 isn't going to cause a stenosis, so don't worry about it. Maybe they'll prescribe a statin, which would be the right thing to do, but that's the end of it. But that person can still have a heart attack. I agree, agree, but that's... uh, that's why um, getting the test is important. The problem is you need somebody who knows what to do with the results. Well, and I think the what, I think the most important thing is that everybody listening should push their doctor to give them a prescription to go for the test, whether the doctor agrees with it or not. Let's start off with at least doing some test 
that identifies what's going inside your heart, looking at the arteries, looking, looking at what's going on. And as you said, the CIMT is the wall of the artery, but they need to go back and have a test that's not recommended. It's not suggested. And they're going to have to demand of their primary care physician. I and need isn't a pre- covered. They got to pay cash for it. But who cares? Yeah. $125. You pay more than that for your flat screen TV. So let's, let's make wise choices, people. But I'm, I'm saying they do. It's incumbent upon the people to ask their doctor for a prescription because it's not going to voluntarily be given. I'll guarantee you that. The next important test to do, which to me is the most important test, but it just isn't that available to the public, is a CIMT, which is a carotid intima media thickness test. And right now, this is the most important test I do in my office. It's a simple ultrasound of the artery wall. Do not confuse this with a carotid Doppler because a carotid Doppler, just like a stress test, is there to identify a critical lesion so that you can operate. The carotid Doppler does not provide the data that I need, which I get from a CIMT test. The CIMT measures the layers of the artery wall, and those measurements correlate with risk of events. And if we shrink that number, we're shrinking your risk of an event. And it has nothing to do with how much plaque you have. It only has to do with the measurements of the layer of the wall. And that's what's causing the major catastrophic events. Correct. Plaque rupture. Plaque rupture. So if the plaque that you have is thicker, meaning, well, let me clarify, the layer of the plaque, which, uh, which is your intima media layer, if that layer is thicker, that means it's angrier, it's more inflamed, it's more likely to rupture, and that is not picked up on any other test. It See, just isn't. Yeah, I mean, this is all, always continues to mystify me because people are walking around not knowing they could be a ticking time bomb and that on the other side of the coin, here's this simple, non-invasive, easy 10-minute test that you can get doesn't cost very much, not covered by insurance. It's like, what, $250? But okay, but is that going to be the definitive test to tell you whether or not you have what it takes to die of a heart attack? So therefore, every it's incumbent on every doctor, every primary care physician to have this test done on their patients. To me, that's the number one test. You know, I do blood work that measures risk of inflammation, risk of plaque rupture, and there are labs that correlate better with risk than a stress test does, and it's a simple blood test. But I look at the CIMT as right now the gold standard measurement to identify risk. To me, that's the number one. I put all the weight into that because, all the way to my decision making because it's an objective measurement that we can track and follow over time. Whether we're doing better or worse, we make adjustments in your care plan. It's kind of pathetic to think that all of the listeners and all of the possible patients, they're going to have to be writing down CIMT and having to push for getting a prescription to have the test done. But let's come back and talk about that more on the other side of the break. You are listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show. And if you're interested in finding out more about today's topic or why you ought to be engaging with a concierge practice, please only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR. 
Welcome back to the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, board-certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Colander is here with us explaining his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He's also going to tell us about the simple tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we encourage you to only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER and tune in Thursday evening at 7 p.m. following Mitch Album. The doctor is live. We're fortunate to have him here, and he is ready and able to take your questions directly on the air. We look forward to hearing from you. Dr. Colander, let's come back and talk about what do people need to know, listeners out there who are basically lost, they're not being recommended these tests. They think they're home free about the stress. We started off talking about the stress test and how useless it basically is, but people believe in it like it's, you know, the be all and end all of going to save me from dying of a heart attack. And that's just a fallacy. So let's tell us what they need to know to not be so reliant on the recommendation of a stress test. Well, just to kind of recap, and you're 100% right, a stress test is no way to screen for cardiovascular risk. It's useless. What you need to identify is, do you have plaque? That is the disease you are treating. So a great way to do that without anything invasive that's simple and inexpensive is a CT calcium score. The next best way, or actually the best way that's a little less easy to find, but better information is your CIMT carotid intima media thickness test. Now, if you've been told you have plaque, on a another type of ultrasound or imaging by your doctor and you've been told don't worry about it it's normal you need to find another doctor because a lot of you have that's been that's a needle in a haystack don't kid yourself that's really hard to find it is hard to find another doctor especially when they knows what in they're prevention. doing right. right but a lot of you have been told that your ct your ct uh, arteriogram or your heart catheterization was normal, but it had, you know, it really had a little plaque. It's a lot easier for the doctor to tell you it's normal than to explain to you why a little bit of plaque is normal when in my world it isn't. So you are right, Amory. We should be shame on the doctors for not. Yeah, because I'm, my question to you is, can a little bit of plaque become a lot of plaque? The plaque amount doesn't matter. It's where it's, it is. It's, if it's it's how is angry is it? Right. What how what's the degree of inflammation? A little bit of plaque is what ruptures and bl- ends up blocking your artery because after a plaque rupture, your body forms a blood clot right there, to and that's what your body's supposed to do. If there's a damaged lining, a damage to your skin, it forms a clot. Well, it formed a clot inside a tiny little artery and blocked it. So that's how you go from a non-obstructing, quote-unquote, normal amount of plaque to dead and why that happened. And there's no explanation, no answers, and no, it isn't normal. That's not a normal uh, way to die. You know, and the sad thing is with over 600,000 deaths from the Widowmaker, immediate, you know, cardiac arrest and death with no chance of coming back from that, it's pathetic to know that we have the technology, we have the we have the med tech out there to you know the tests that are available, 
for patients to avail themselves of, but the person at the door that's letting you through this door to go on to the next level of whether you want to call it prevention or actually it is prevention, preventing having a heart attack, they are not, these doctors, I'm still holding them all accountable. They need to be telling their patients, these are the tests you need to get. Whether they're covered by insurance or not, doesn't matter. You're the consumer. You have the choice. It's a free country. Go for it. They have to go and get these tests. And every listener should be writing down the names of these tests and getting them done. What is it you're asking the general population of doctors to do? What I'm asking them yeah. to do is what I'm asking them to do is realize that their their job is knowing this information that we can keep people alive, that we can prevent heart attack and stroke and prevent a lot of other diseases. No one's talking about prevention. Nobody is talking about it. They're just all taking what's wrong with you today. What is your problem? Do you, you know, are you having chest pain? You have to qualify to get in to see a doctor. And I think that is about as wrong as medical profession could be right now. So you're asking for an individual doctor, but a lot of individual doctors to rebel against the current system, which doesn't help people. They went to medical school. They know you can prevent heart attack. They know these tests are out there. If they don't, they should find out about them. So they know that somebody, it can be examined. Diagnostically, you can find out. You find out every day. Well, Interesting. I, Wait a minute. I'm, I want to just say something ahead, before we please. run out of time. Interesting how in the middle of COVID, you're hundreds of patients. None of them died. None of them went to the hospital. They all survived because you followed a protocol of as soon as you get sick, let me know. I'm treating you immediately. Don't go to the hospital. And guess what? The proof is in the pudding. None of them died. They got over it. You treated them. So this is what you're basically saying about prevention. We have the technology. We are able to diagnose whether you have plaque. Unfortunately, very unfortunately, it's incumbent upon the patient to be their own advocate, which is a sorry state to be in. So I rebelled against the system and formed a practice that allowed me to do how I, what I thought was right for my patients. You're asking for a lot of doctors to rebel against their, the system to put themselves in position to take care of their patients the best way. Is that what I'm hearing you're No, you're I've given up on them now. I've totally given up on them. What I'm saying, for, forget but they, about... But you're, you wish they would rebel. I wish that they would do what they went to medical school to, to do. Look at the Hippocratic Oath. Look at what you went to medical school to do, which is save lives, heal people, make people better. And here's all the technology. You know, in this country, unbelievable technology that we have this available, and none of these doctors are suggesting it to their patients. And the patients don't know. They're not doctors. They don't know. So I'm just saying it's incumbent upon them to find out what are the tests that I need to get in order to ensure, find out if I have plaque. And by the way, to add on, because I know we're running out of time here, is you've got patients who come in with plaque and it's reversible. It is reversible. You're not taking my bait, so maybe... Uh, What's the bait you want I, me to I'll, take? We'll do it on the live show. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> live be show's on, on the, Thursday. It'll but... be better on the live show. Well, you'll have missed it by now. No, but I mean, uh, you can't convince all the doctors in America to change the way they practice medicine because they're all owned by the hospitals now, so it doesn't matter. So uh, you are, so you're 100% right. It's important to find somebody who's going to identify your risks and identify all the root causes of what causes plaque because that's the what's required. Identify your sleep situation, your oral health situation, your genetics, 
identify what's going on with your gut health. Do you or do you not have gut dysbiosis? Do you or do you not have insulin resistance? Where are you on the spectrum of all of these different conditions so that we can manage it? So it's complicated for every single person, but manageable and outright successful to the point that I feel that heart attack and stroke are 100% preventable and it has absolutely nothing to do with getting a stress test. Absolutely. Point well taken. And also has nothing to do with getting five minutes to see a doctor because the patient has got to be their own advocate. That's the bottom line. They've got to know that they need to get into a system that is all about prevention. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, and that wraps it up for the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR, sponsored by Colander Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and again, I want to thank Dr. Colander for talking to us about taking charge of our health, being proactive, avoiding heart attack and stroke, and more importantly, what you can do to halt or reverse the process of chronic degenerative disease. It's never too late to start. For more information on today's show or to learn more about how you can engage with a personal primary care concierge practice, you can call Colander Medical directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. We hope that you've enjoyed the show and that you've become more aware of your options in preventing and reversing disease. Once again, you can reach out to Colander Medical at 866-COLANDER. And thank you for listening. Opinions heard in the preceding program are those of the host and guests and not those of Cumulus Media or WJR Radio.